This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is May 30th, 2021. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Uh, Lon Samuelson, 1993 to 1997. And uh, did you have any uh, titles or management positions at the radio station? I was the sports director. Do you know, do you remember what years? Um, from the fall of 1995, I think until spring of, of, uh, 97 or maybe like end, end of 96. So like a year, year and a half. Okay. So you were a sports director. Did you remember working on any, uh, other programs or, um, any shows that you produced or hosted? I mean, I, I did all of what was required of me. Uh, you know, I did the classics. I did Jazz Cafe once or twice. I engineered for Basha. I engineered for Irv, um, for Frank and Gordon. Um, I did the morning show with with Butch and uh, Dave. I would do sports. That was a lot of fun. But But otherwise, you know, I pretty much made sure to check off all the boxes so I could stay uh, sports eligible. Okay. Um, did you use your own own name on air? Did you have a nickname or an on-air name? Uh, no, nah, just, just Lon. Okay. Um, so two-part question and answer whatever makes sense to you. But I'm always interested, what first brought people to the radio station? What, what was it that pulled you there or got you into the station and what was it like when you got there if you can paint a picture for the people listening who weren't there you know what did the office look like or who did you meet or what time of year was it what stick stands out to you in your memory of the first time you went to the radio station so i met mike smith at uh hofstra hillel and he is he was starting to tell me about you know doing calling games uh on the school radio station and that was my dream like that that was what i i aspired to do, you know, professionally. And that, that got me interested. Uh, so he, I don't know if he brought me exactly, but I remember going down there to the basement of bits and bites and it, and it looked like a complete disaster, but I, but that excited me too. Um, I remember seeing like, you know, the news guys meeting Dave mock, meeting Paul Cordella, uh, Diana Bove, who I guess she was all, which was interesting because Paul and Diana were also freshmen, but they seemed to have gotten super involved really quick. Uh, and then I got introduced to John Lane, who, I, who was the sports director at the time. But but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely looked like like a college radio station. You know, it was you know desks were all over the place, posters everywhere. It was it was complete pigsty. But but I was I was happy to to be there. I was pretty psyched. So were you going to Hofstra to get a degree in communications? You said you were interested in uh, you know, broadcasting. Was, was the radio something that was on your radar prior to meeting Mike, or was this something new to you? No, this was, this was what I wanted to do, 100%. I was, uh, was going to be a communications major. I wanted to try to make it as a sportscaster. And then uh, you know, Mike just pointed me in the right direction, and the rest is history. Okay. So as you get down to the radio station, um, you probably went through some training classes, uh, an announcing class, uh, an engineering class. Do you remember anything from that? Did you get any good advice that you, you kept with you? Do you remember maybe who was in your class? I actually have zero recollection of any of that. I feel like, you know, Brian, you were the, 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 
pro, uh, program director at the time. And maybe he gave some words of wisdom, but I, I don't have any, like, I, I remember later on that it was a very organized, like, classes in a classroom and multiple nights, but not for me. I, I just, for whatever reason, I've erased that from my hard drive. Like, I feel it went pretty quick for me doing, you know, getting ready to do games. And I mean, I guess at some point someone must have showed me how to put a record on and how to uh, find the song. But otherwise, you know, learning when you're supposed to say the station ID and how to use the board, it's all a blur. Okay. Um, Do you remember getting on the air the first time? Do you remember uh, announcing the first time or running the board? Uh, I, I remember my first game. I don't, I don't have much memories of like the first time I had to do like the classics from Hofstra, but that was relatively, you know, easy. Um, you know, obviously I was nervous, but you know, all you got to do is stick to the script. Um, so that wasn't too difficult. I do remember, I guess I, I was logging hours or with, uh, with Will Shelley and, and he was doing, I was with him. He was showing me, you know, how to, properly set things up and you know again super nervous and he's like i think he basically you know ceremoniously knighted me he's like you know one two you're good and he just took off and i have no idea where he went but he basically left me in the uh in the control room by myself and i guess it went all right i mean we didn't go off the air so that's encouraging but I, I remember I remember my first game, but not much of like, you know, actually being on the air for shows. So what, what that incident with Will, was that uh, during a classics slot, I assume? I feel like it might have been like jazz or it, how do I think it was jazz. It was later in the day because the, the memory I have of it, I feel like it also was the same time. And Brian, this is where, where you come into the story is I, I was in there and, you know, I guess I was setting up records, whatever Will told me to do. And all of a sudden, I think, if I'm not mistaken, you poked your head in and you go, hey, guys, it just announced Kurt Cobain committed suicide. And I looked at you like a deer in headlights, and I had no idea who that was. Um, I knew Nirvana. I didn't know that he that the front man was Kurt Cobain. And I remember you walking out disgusted how uh, I had no idea who that was. Wow. Um, that would have been in, uh, April of 1994. Okay. And I, you know, it's, it's funny you say that and it jogs my memory. I was doing an internship that year at WNEWFM and I have distinct memories of being there and people talking about it, but I have a feeling that was the day after. I think that was the Friday and it may have happened on Thursday because I remember I was there sometimes Wednesdays and Fridays. So that you put me there at Hofstra radio is, is a, as a, a gap in my memory that I don't remember. Cause I remember a lot about that, that time period, but I don't remember learning that directly. And let me apologize in retrospect for, for, <laughs> for, for being a snob about it, but. Uh, no, that's fine. I, I, I look back and, and I am embarrassed. I didn't know that. Well, well, we were, we were talking before we started recording here about your your interest in in sports and not necessarily in the music side. So, right. so let me let me see if I got this straight. So, Will basically gives you the blessing to be on air and combo cleared. 
Right. You're doing a jazz show, your first time flying solo or something like that. And then you find out that Kurt Cobain the, is committed arguably suicide. Arguably the most popular singer in the most popular band in the world. Yeah. And I, and I brushed it off like you told me it was raining outside. Basically. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and you're, and you're what, about 18 at this point? You're a freshman? Yeah. Yeah. And, and did, so I guess at the moment you didn't get the enormity of it or, or, no, or the consequence. Totally oblivious. Wow. But it was a big deal for you because now you're combo cleared. Right. That's more important. That was, yeah, I wasn't thinking much about, I mean, obviously looking back, that was, that's a pretty significant time in cult, in, uh, in musical, uh, history. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. That's so interesting. Um, but you, to go back, you mentioned earlier, first time on the air doing sports. Let's talk about that because that's what brought you to Hofstra. Radio. Yeah. So, so I guess I, I think I remember calling. A, I was so excited. I loved basketball. I mean, I was I was football. We didn't. I didn't get involved the football season on the air. I guess I listened and try to go in and shadow whoever was engineering games. I suppose I don't have too much recollection of that my freshman year, but I knew I wanted to call games. And John Lane was the sports director and he set me up and I don't know if we did, I must've done it on the air because he heard it. Cause I can't imagine. Cause I remember calling a women's game with, with some guy, he was an older guy. I think he was, I want to say his first name was Lou. I don't know if I ever saw him again. And uh, we called, we called the game. It was an empty gym, women's basketball. And, and the, my only takeaway was that, uh, the point guard for Hofstra at the time, her name was Diane Hoban, um, who unfortunately recently passed away. Hmm. And I and I must have pronounced her name wrong, but I was super excited. I called a game and, you know, th- this was a big moment in my life. And I come back with all the gear and there was so much gear back then to call to do a uh, a sports broadcast. It was ridiculous. We come back and the first thing John Lane says to me is that I mispronounced this girl's last name. And he, he just as well might have punched me in the stomach. Um, you know, I was on cloud nine, and when he had to break that to me, that, 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 was, that was a major blow. But that was, that, that's my first memory of, of you know, really being on the air. Wow. Um, did, uh, did John have anything else to say, or did you take any other lessons I, I away from that t- first time? I probably tuned out the rest because I, so, I was so devastated. Like, that was the first thing. It wasn't like... Hey, good job, or you did this well. You know, you butchered her name, dude. I'm like, okay. And I mean, I, I learned from it, I I think. You know, I always made made it uh the first thing I do before I did a broadcast was to and to this day, I always ask someone how to properly pronounce their name so not to uh insult or embarrass them or myself. So I guess I guess it was a positive. Not at the right. time, but Right, right. It's a, like you said, it's kind of a, a punch to the gut. But um, you, you mentioned all the equipment that was involved in doing a sports broadcast. I don't know how much you remember or can describe um, because, again, things are so different now. And a lot of people didn't do these remote broadcasts. So can you give us a sense of what was involved physically oh, in making one of these things happen? It was it was insane. I mean, we you had like these huge boxes and... I don't even remember the names of everything, but I mean, you had the monster headsets and you had, you know, and, and looking around for power and, you know, going through the phone line. 
And I mean, it got worse when we had to travel. I remember going with with both Johns, John Lane and John DeCepolo's fall of 94 down to Delaware for a football game. And because I was, you know, the young guy, they made me carry all the stuff. And it was these enormous, huge, like luggage. And I'm schlepping it. We're going all the way up to the top of the stadium. And then we get there. And I think one of the Johns looks at me and goes, oh, we're on the other side of the stadium. So then we go all the way down, go all the way around the stadium, and then go all the way up again while I'm lugging both of these huge cases full of God knows what. Um, so, yeah, that that was always fun. Yeah, they. Uh, it, I, I'm sure I haven't. You know, I go when I go to games. I see it's considerably easier now. Right, I'm thinking it was those those big sort of silver yes. colored boxes, yes. and they had you know mixers and amps and yeah. the the remote. I, I, I I'm trying to think if if you would have been using like a remote Marty or something so like that. I do I do have a Marty story. Um, this was probably and this kind of goes to you're gonna ask me like I think you know special moments or when I thought I made it or whatever right. or felt felt at home and that was when um in 94 when Hofstra hired Jay Wright to be the basketball coach and I was asked to do the to be there for for him being announced I was blown away I was so stoked we went to the uh David S Mack Hall which was beautiful and you know all the big um coaches and, and, and people involved with Hofstra and the, and the president and Mr. Margiata, like everyone you can think of is there. And we had to use the Marty and it was me, it was Dave Mock and it, and it was uh, Bill Kaplan. I think John was there and we had to set this thing up to, you know, so we could do, do the remote broadcast. Um, it was awesome. You know, I interviewed Jay Wright and everyone else who was there with the program and, and uh, I think Bill Kaplan did a lot of drinking that day because the bar was open. I remember they put him on the air at the end, and he he said whatever he said about the show. He wasn't paying attention to the game, or the game to 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 the event. But he later, I think he admitted he was a little tipsy, which was because there was this also you know in the middle of the afternoon. Um, but but good for Bill. He was great. He was always fun to work with. But I remember driving back with John. And we had to jam the Marty in John's car. And it was like, I think it was like basically like an old school antenna that looked, you know, that would have been on top of your roof. Right. And I remember making a comment that that Lane would never let me forget that I basically said, I think with him and Dave Mock in the car, that the Marty was basically up my ass, <laughs> which was very unpleasant. <laughs> but it was, it, w- it was a special moment. But it was great for me because I felt like, you know, I was really part of, like the overall part of the station. Cause I hadn't worked much with Dave or Bill. Um, so it was, it was fun. It was, that was a cool time. Yeah. One of the things that is interesting is how mostly undergraduates took all this equipment, which was mostly pretty new to them and put on professional broadcasts. I mean, before coming to Hofstra, did you have any experience working Zero. with that kind of technology? Zero. It so, was so all it was all um, all new to me. And and you learned by watching and doing and and getting involved. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was on the job training. I mean, that was the good and bad of when you did a sports broadcast because when you went out in the field, that's it. You're on your own. You know, 
if something went wrong in the in the actual station or in the control room, you know, I could run down the hall and scream for help or call someone. And this is obviously before cell phones. So when you're out in the road and you're trying your hardest to get whoever's in um, the control room to help you out, and you're trying to walk through this problem that you have no idea what you're dealing with, it was, it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty scary, but it was a lot of fun. You learned a lot. And most of these remote or, you know, doing the, the, the broadcast, uh, for away games and things like that, a lot of that was over phone lines. Is that yes, right? Yes, that's correct. What, uh, do you remember the process of learning how to do that? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you'd, first of all, you had to call the school and make sure they had the line and if they were going to charge you and, and then just, you know, going to these gyms, you know, and some were really nice and it was, and it was super easy. They were really professional. Like you'd go to Notre Dame and it was, you know, no big deal. They've had, you know, they have television stations there every day. So, or, but then you go to some small dingy school, you know, and you know, you, you got to piece it together because you, you know, where you're sitting and where, where you're connecting could be way far apart. And you just have to figure that out. You had to figure it out. You had to really, you know, it's like, you know, being a Boy Scout, being prepared for everything, just taking a lot of everything because you have no clue what you're going to need when you show up. I mean, you can call and ask. And a lot of these sports information directors were, were pretty good to work with. But you, you you weren't really sure until you showed up. So how long into doing sports broadcasts? Or actually, let me let me double back. Do you remember – that first basketball game that you called with Lou and I'm, I'm struggling to get his last name. I'm thinking it was an older guy. He had a mustache. Yes. Wore yes. baseball hat a lot. Yes. I'll, I'll look up his name and I'll, I'll get it later. I, but I knew he was a commuter. I didn't know much. Of, again, I, if I ever, I don't know if I ever saw him again after that. I don't mm. think he ever did any games with us. So you were, uh, I assume that was your freshman year. So that would have been the winter yes. of your freshman year. So, yes. so considering that, when do you think, think you felt comfortable being on the air going out and doing these broadcasts Do you remember a moment or a time where you're like i've got this i can do this um that's great cool i'm trying to think like the rest of my freshman year well i know a moment where i thought i had it <laughs> and this is a good story or i think it's good i called or we called the central connecticut state game and i think i did really well and i was really starting to come along and john lane and john DeSeppel pull me aside and this is, this might've been like going into the winter break. Um, and they said, listen, Lon, you know, we put the schedule together. I think yeah, it had to have been 93 going into 94. And they said, we've decided that you're going to go up to Buffalo with Tony Sevilla and you're going to call the, uh, the conference tournament. And I'm like, holy cow, that's insane. I can't believe it. Now, great that they were going on the California trip to like Pepperdine and, right. you know, so I think it was also a matter of neither of them wanted to go to Buffalo after going to California, but that's okay. Because to me, Buffalo was my California. Like, I'm like, this is, I had never been in Buffalo and still have it, but that's okay. Um, so I'm super stoked. Can't believe it. Go home that winter break. Tell my friends, you know, not that they really cared, but I tell everybody I'm so excited. And then we had just gotten a new head of the station and his name was Bruce Avery. And I guess because out of sight, out of mind, he decided on his own to give that spot to a guy who's a commuter. His name was James Moore. I think James went to school with Dana. He was a nice kid. I mean, I had nothing against him. But because he was there during winter break, you know, because he lived local and I wasn't, 
Um, Bruce gave him the spot to go to Buffalo, even though I don't think James had called any games before that. Uh, so, so that was a gut punch again, again. And if, and I still believe Tony has the broadcast and he told me James just wasn't really up, up to nothing. And I don't know if I would have done a better job. I'd like to think I would have. Um, that's when I thought I had made it. Um, I mean, the Jay Wright press conference re was really a big vote of conf confidence for me that they let me do that. I don't remember much game-wise My other than that my freshman year. It, it was probably more my sophomore year where things started to click and, and me getting more opportunities. So do you remember when the Jay Wright press conference was? That was April of 94. Okay. So yeah, that was trying. I was trying to place it because it was it was a big deal uh, to to do that conference to to do the press conference to it, cover it. Yeah, um, it was big for this station. I mean, you know, it was Dave Dave Mock being there. It was a you know it was a major news story for our school. We were hiring this young coach that had no never been a head coach before. You know, no one really had heard of him. He was out at UNLV with Raleigh Massimino. He had Philadelphia ties, but. And, you know, he came in and he looked the part like a Pat Riley with his nice suits and his hair all slick and fast talker, you know. And he he looked it and granted now he's going into the Basketball Hall of Fame. So, um, you know, it's pretty neat for me to tell people I, I I met him. I knew him back then. So so that must have felt like, the, despite the, the, the Buffalo thing not happening, it must have felt like, John Lane and John DiCepolo trusted you. They were ready to put you in big spots and, and you felt capable of doing them. hundred percent. Yeah. I knew, yeah, I, I knew the next year was, I knew my sophomore year was, was gonna, was gonna be big. I really was calm. I was excited. Hmm. I was, I was okay with, you know, the ups and downs of the freshman year. I thought, I thought at the end of the year, a lot had come together for me. So doing that was, was a great way to go out. You've mentioned a lot of names that are familiar to me and hopefully our, our listeners. Um, John Lane, John DiCepolo, Will Shelley, Dana, Bruce Avery. Um, who were the people who were really helpful uh, at the beginning? Mike Smith, you mentioned Mike. Who were the people that that, that helped get you started and, and feeling uh, like, oh, I want to do that. I, I like the way they do that. Or uh, you listen to something and thought, yeah, that's cool. Let's Let me do that. I know you, you were definitely there. You were, you were pretty available to me. Uh, I think Dave Koenig a lot. He really helped me out. Um, I mean, everyone else, I think we pretty much discussed sports wise. So I don't think there were any other freshmen with me that came up my year. So, um, but I'm trying to think who, who throughout the station that was, that was pretty much, yeah, that was, like I said, you and Dave from like, like a non-sports perspective. Hmm. So we have the benefit of hindsight looking back and like your Jay Wright story. Like you knew at the time it was big and now it's, now it's a big thing. Um, we, we have the benefit of being able to look back as adults, but can you put yourself back in your shoes at 17, 18 years old? What were your expectations for Hofstra Radio, as you're walking down to the first general interest meeting or to meet somebody, like what's in your head? What do you hope Hofstra Radio would be for you? A launch pad for me to, you know, maybe try to make it professionally. Um, but it was also an outlet for me to do what I always dreamed of. I mean, I grew up, I didn't have cable. So 
you know, as a Knicks fan, I was always listening to games and that's what I wanted to do. And, and even, you know, I, I know then and I knew now, you know, the odds of making it are slim, but just to have that opportunity, like even telling people now that I called games, they think that's cool as hell. And it, and it was, um, so, so I, I guess getting a chance to, to live out a dream in, in some form was what I had hoped for. And that's what it was. That's fantastic. Lon, thank you for sharing these stories. And um, I'm sure I'm going to have a lot more questions and I'm sure you have a lot more stories. Uh, I hope we can do this again sometime. And sure. uh, let's uh, we'll look forward to talking again. Appreciate it, Brian. Thank you so much for the opportunity.